Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents The Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. So we've talked a little bit about the Great War, about the time before the Great War, the political upheaval, the uh, nervousness of the different political groups, the United States and China and the conflict between the two groups there, um, the, the running out of resources and the desperation of each individual nation to gobble up what was left of the resources in the world. And in that desperation, the things that they would do, the lengths they would go to in order to make sure that they come out on top. And this is the background. This is the setting where we start when we first hear about Roger Maxson. Now, the name Maxson might seem familiar. It shows up in a lot of the Fallout games. And if you haven't played the first or the second Fallout games, if even if you've played Fallout 4, you're going to see characters with the last name Maxson. Now, why is that? Roger Maxson was a captain in the United States Army when he was stationed at West Tech Research Facility in January of 2076. He didn't realize what things were going to occur within the next year and a half. You see, Roger started out as Captain Roger Maxson, second in command of the security team. And initially he was sent to the West Tech Research Facility, which was eventually relocated to Mariposa Military Base. Now, if you've played through some of the early Fallout games, this stuff might seem very familiar. The Mariposa Military Base is where they were doing research on the FEV. And I've mentioned the FEV in some of these other podcasts. The FEV was the forced evolutionary virus. The world that Roger Maxson was in the situation he was in, the, the situation the United States was in, was one of such desperation that they were looking for any leg up possible against their enemies. And one idea was forcing evolution on unsuspecting military prisoners through the application of this virus. Now, what did the FEV do? Well, originally it was planned to create super soldiers. Think of it as like a super soldier serum from the Marvel movies. And as we know with the super soldier serum in the Marvel movies, sometimes you end up with Captain America and sometimes you end up with the Red Skull. You don't quite know what you're going to get. And at the Mariposa military base, the FEV was in a very early state. So they didn't even get the Red Skull. Oftentimes they got these horrific human monstrosities where the evolutionary virus went went crazy and 
stretched their skin and showed their muscles and their bones and made their muscle their muscles inflate in really odd ways. If uh, check out the Twitter feed for some of the pictures on some of the tweets this week, because you'll see some of the images that are used in the game. It's not pleasant. It's probably very painful. It is horrific. Horrific is is the word that you would use to explain this. Now, now I like to think about putting myself in other people's shoes. And you're going to learn some things about my personality through this podcast. And maybe you've noticed some of this in some of the earlier podcasts. I am by nature very skeptical, not, not necessarily cynical. I try not to be cynical. Uh, oftentimes we confuse those two words in current English, I guess. Skeptical means I, I like the data in front of me before I choose to believe something. Uh, I, I want some evidence. And for being as skeptical as I am, I'm, I tend to also give people the benefit of the doubt. I tend to look at their intentions and, and I think, okay, did this person actually intend malice when they messed something up or when they did something extreme or did they intend to do the right thing and there was confusion and something something got mixed up sometimes it's better to it's better to assume <laughs> ignorance than malice is kind of the general thought there so when i look at somebody's actions and i look at the things they're doing i i give them the benefit of the doubt but i also want the information as much information as possible in order to make the best decision it's kind of a combination personality quirk i guess i have now put yourself in the shoes of roger maxson Captain Roger Maxson, second in command of the security team. Now, according to fallout.fandom.com, the uh, Fallout wiki, on October 10th, Maxson and his men learned about the human experiments going on in the base, causing morale to suffer a hefty blow. Imagine you're part of a security team. You're second in charge. And you come to find out that the scientists that you are protecting at the command of the United States government are doing experiments on human beings that are turning them into monstrosities. What would you do? How do you react to that? Well, it goes on and it says the original leader of the security team, Colonel Robert Spindell, suffered a nervous breakdown from this discovery, locked himself in his office, causing Maxon to assume his command. Now, it turns out that uh, Colonel Robert Spindell commits suicide. He kills himself. He can't handle the horrors that are in front of him and doesn't know what else to do. So Captain Maxson steps up. He takes control of the situation. He takes control of the entire base and he begins interrogating the scientists. Now, he must have had a very strong moral compass. It it makes sense that somebody like Roger Maxson, somebody who goes on to found the Brotherhood of Steel, is somebody who lives their life according to ideals and tenets. Now, after interrogating the chief scientist, Robert Anderson, and learning what was really happening at the base, Maxon executed him. The wiki goes on to explain that two days later, in an attempt to find out what he knew, Maxon and his men forced open Spindle's office door in time to witness him commit suicide. After this, Maxon took full command, ordering all the scientists to be interrogated and finally executed. 
disgusted with their findings, with almost every scientist stating their orders came directly from the upper echelons of the army, Maxon declared himself and his men in full desertion of the army via radio. So imagine, imagine you're in this situation. You're looking at these horrible, horrible experiments. These scientists, which seem to seem to be just going through with their orders as if that's all they could do. And the terrible situation is so bad that you decide these people do not need to live anymore. And you kill all of them. And then you have, because your moral compass is so strong, you radio your boss, basically. You radio the United States Army and you say, hey, guys, this is what's going on here. We're no longer doing this. What would you expect to happen after that? I would expect that the United States military would come after me. They would say, okay, you've gone rogue. You need to be put down. And that takes a lot of guts. Now, after he tries to contact them via radio, there was no response. Nothing came back. This was three days before the bombs dropped. His men and their families, their wives, their children... They all moved into the base on October 20th. And as we know, the bombs fell on October 22nd, 2077. Now, the wiki goes on to explain that Maxon and his men survived the war unharmed because they were sealed inside the military base, unaware that the world had ended around them. After making sure the radiation levels outside were safe, Maxon ordered everyone to leave the military base, certain it would be targeted in the next series of strikes, and travel to the Lost Hills government bunker. After burying the scientists, Maxon's soldiers and their families began the exodus to Lost Hills. Raider attacks inflicted a heavy toll of civilian casualties purposefully targeting them as the surviving soldiers had full power armor, including Maxon's wife. Now, imagine imagine this situation. You're taking your men, their wives, their children to a military bunker. You're bringing all of your equipment, all the power armor, probably food, all the resources you have to this bunker because you don't know what's going on and you don't know how long you're going to need these resources to survive. And already, days later, there are people who are desperate enough to attack soldiers in full power armor. Things must have been extremely desperate. Now, the wiki goes on and says, Sometime later, in a proclamation to his men, Maxson declared that the United States had failed to protect its citizens and serve their needs during the years leading up to the war, and stated that they must form a new order to preserve civilization, a Brotherhood of Steel. Shortly afterwards, Maxson and his men used a communication satellite to contact other army units across the country and recruit them to the Brotherhood's cause. One such unit, based in Appalachia, was led by Elizabeth Taggarty, an old acquaintance of Maxon's. Now, this is where things connect to Fallout 76. And that's another topic for another day, but basically, this is where the connection from the West Coast to Appalachia Appalachia. I don't know how the best way to pronounce that. I don't live in the area. Uh, But that's where that comes in. And the connection to the Brotherhood being started over in that area and the Scorch Plague and all that kind of stuff. 
Now, Maxon set up this bunker as the new headquarters of the Brotherhood of Steel, and he became the High Elder of the Brotherhood. Now, the Brotherhood is a big topic. There are a lot of instances in the Fallout games where the Brotherhood is involved during different time periods from right at the Great War and the things that happened right after that, all the way to a few hundred years later. The Brotherhood is a society designed around an ideology, a group of people who have something greater to live for. And that's one of the themes that comes about in these Fallout games and in post-apocalyptic literature in general. The idea that when a group of people have something greater to believe in, that they're more likely to survive, they're more likely to do what's necessary in order to survive, is very common. This ideology was based around a what would be called a neo-knightly order. There are knights and squires and elders. The Brotherhood was very, very cautious initially about letting anyone else into their ranks. And at different time periods throughout the games, that does adjust and change. Fallout 3, the leadership was more open to outsiders. But initially, it was these original uh, soldiers, their families, and then some of the other army groups that they came upon who were the original individuals who are part of the brotherhood and then their families and their descendants. And that doesn't really leave you much hope of a group of people who are going to make it into the future, (laughs) who are going to survive. So eventually some of the ideology changes as to who can be included in the group, how they are let in, what the requirements are. But just like any other ideology or it's almost a neo-religious group, They have certain beliefs they stand for, and a lot of these beliefs are based around the situation at Mariposa. One of their beliefs is anti-supermutant. The Brotherhood is to go out of their way to clean the wasteland of supermutants. And at some points later in these games, later in the timeline, that becomes any mutants. That becomes any threat to humans in the wasteland. Another tenet to their ideology is the idea that technology needs to be preserved, and it specifically needs to be preserved by the people who will understand how to use it for for the better good. <laughs> and according to the Brotherhood's better good, that's for humans and basically themselves in order to make sure that they can take care of the technology, make sure that these things are not lost to time, and that groups of raiders other individuals in the wasteland who are less educated about these things don't get their hands on the technology and and basically ruin it. So you'll see members of the Brotherhood going off into the world to find and keep all sorts of interesting technology. Everything from medical technology, power armor, laser and plasma weaponry, a little bit in regards to things like robots, but more things that humans operate on their own. Like the technology to travel across the continent on an airship. These are all things that the Brotherhood is interested in preserving. Now let's talk about the organizational structure. I I noted that there are knights and other ranks within the Brotherhood of Steel. And they have specific names and specific roles. According to the wiki, the Brotherhood of Steel is organized into different ranks. Initiates are trainees who are expected to perform well enough in the training process to be promoted to senior initiates and later to apprentices. After proving themselves, apprentices are 
promoted to the rank of journeyman knight or scribe. The next rank is knight sergeant or senior scribe, knight captain, and finally the leader of each of these orders is the paladin and the head scribe. Brotherhood scribes are responsible for investigating and reverse engineering the ancient technologies, maintaining the current technology of the Brotherhood and even experimenting with new weapons and other useful devices. Scribes rarely leave the safety of the Brotherhood's bunkers and outposts, but they are sometimes called into the field to examine a piece of technology or perform a task beyond the skills of the Brotherhood's soldiers. Brotherhood knights are responsible for manufacturing the weapons and other pieces of technology used by the Brotherhood, although they also take part in combat activities. After many years of service and experience, the best knights are promoted to paladins, the pinnacle rank of the Brotherhood military. Paladins are in charge of all security and outside activities. The paladin ranks are junior paladin, paladin, senior paladin, star paladin, and head paladin. Paladins who survive to their later years become elders, and they make up the Brotherhood's ruling council. Among this branch of the Brotherhood, an additional rank, Sentinels, exists between Paladin and Elder. The leader of the Council and the Brotherhood itself is the High Elder, usually descended from the Maxon family. So that explains why in some of these other games, you continue to see the Maxon name. Now, like I said earlier, there is a lot more we could go into about the Brotherhood of Steel, their activities throughout the Wasteland and the different locations at different times. And I'm going to save some of that for the future. I just wanted to get you an initial understanding of where the Brotherhood of Steel was at the time of uh, the Great War and just after the Great War and who Elder Maxon is and what his actions were that basically created this organization that has played such a big role in these games ever since. Now, there's one last thing I wanted to note. The the insignia, the symbol of the Brotherhood, is one of those symbols that is very uh, recognizable. Um, on, my, on my stream, I actually have a flag behind me that I got in a loot box that has the Brotherhood symbol on it. And um, had considered putting that outside <laughs> and hanging it from a flagpole out in front of my house. But I thought maybe the neighbors wouldn't understand what that meant and would think that maybe I was a terrorist or something. So I decided not to do that. Uh, but it sits behind me at my desk and um, I enjoy looking at it over here. Uh, now, the Brotherhood symbol, according to the wiki, uh, it has gears that represent their engineering knowledge, a sword, which is their will to defend themselves, and the wings represent the uplifting hope that the acquisition of lost technology represents for mankind's salvation following the devastation of the Great War. Now, the circle represents the fraternal unity that makes the organization a true brotherhood. So there are four symbols, and they all have meaning. Now, there is another interpretation that each of these symbols represent the different orders. Uh, for example, the sword represents the paladins. The wings represent the elders. The, quote, wings control the movement of the sword. And the large gear represents the knights. And the two smaller gears represent the scribes and the initiates, whose service keep the knights supplied with the information and the manpower required to get their jobs done. Now, this interpretation could also be supported by looking at the outcast's insignia, which is absent of wings and shows that they do not need elders or their equivalents. Now, we'll dig into more Brotherhood of Steel stuff again in the future, I'm sure. This stuff is going to come up time and time again. 
But let's just end this section of the show with the question. What would you do if you were in Maxon's shoes? If you were part of the United States military and it was your job to protect these scientists, to fight for your country, and you find out that your country is doing horrific experiments to human beings without their permission. What would you do? Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. As always, I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in to the Fallout Lorecast. I'm your host, Tom or Robots. You can call me either. I'm so glad you guys are here. Uh, this uh, podcast experiment of mine has been going wonderfully, and you guys have been giving me such wonderful feedback. I really appreciate all of you listening, all of the write-in responses, all of the activity in this community. I, I just love this community. Um, one of the things that I did this last week around the podcast was I put out a poll to find out what topics you guys were most interested in. Um, I divided it up to, it, this was on Twitter. I divided it up among uh, information about factions, creatures, technology, or events in the timeline. And events in the timeline got the highest response at 46%. Second was factions at 28, then creatures, then technology. And what this tells me is that you guys are hungry to understand more about what happened when, what events were happening in the timeline, and where did these games sit in the timeline, in the events that occurred, and how does it all fit together? Now, one of the difficulties with doing a lore podcast is figuring out how you're going to divide up the content because you can't just talk about events without mentioning factions or factions without mentioning creatures. Just like this last, uh, this, this episode, uh, how do you discuss the timeline of the events right before the war without mentioning specific factions like the Brotherhood. So we focus in on the Brotherhood. And then how do you mention the Brotherhood and the origins of the Brotherhood if you don't discuss the creatures like the super mutants or the technology involved with that? So everything's a little bit interconnected. But I think what this does is it helps me frame the conversation and the topics in a way that helps best answer the questions and gets to what you guys are really looking for. And uh, please, if if for some reason, if at any point this show seems to go off the rails, is no longer doing the things that you guys would be interested in hearing about, please let me know. I am completely open to uh, shaping this in the direction that works best for you guys, because this show is for you. This show is for you as as the audience. And if it no longer is useful, then what's the point of the show, right? So thank you so much for feedback on that poll. I really appreciate all the feedback that I get from each of you every week. Uh, feel free to write in falloutlorecast at gmail.com or shoot me some some private messages on Twitter, uh, on the tweeter, uh, <laughs> at falloutlorecast. Cultural database accessed. Quoting New England poet Robert Frost.
Freedom lies in being bold. Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? So this week in Fallout 76, I have continued with my adventures with Derek and looking for his mountain mama. Um, as always, you can check out the uh, <laughs> the, the stream, which uh, I've updated, actually. It's no longer twitch.tv slash robots. It is twitch.tv slash Fallout Lorecast. So it'd be easier for you guys to remember where to go to check it out. Um, so you're, you're welcome to jump in. I play at least a few times a week in the evenings after 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, Derek is such a good, good boy, but the world is becoming darker for poor Derek as he makes his way in the wasteland and tries to find his mountain mama. Um, so I don't know how much longer we're going to be looking for his mountain mama. Maybe we'll find it somewhere. I don't know. You know, what would be really cool is if we level Derek up to the point where he can, uh, domesticate animals and we find some really cool animal, like, you know, a death claw or a giant sloth. And that becomes his mountain mama. Uh, maybe that should be the long-term goal for Derek. Otherwise, um, outside of my own play experience, which is going fine for now, uh, I'm you know just waiting for the next patches to come out and some of the new content. Now there was uh, a Beyond the Vault. Is that what it's called? Into the Vault? One of those? I don't remember what they titled it, but basically uh, Bethesda puts out a thing that says, hey, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going to go with stuff. And they were talking about the new survival mode. And I want to hear what you guys think about this. So in this new survival mode, PVP will just be open. In the regular game, as it is, you get shot at, you take very little damage, and until you return fire or, you know, uh, initiate combat back with the person attacking you, unless they're hacking or something, you don't really stand a chance to really be damaged that much. Um, So PVP doesn't happen too often in the current mode. Most of the time, people are pretty chill with each other, and the community gets along pretty well. What they're releasing now is the ability to create a new character go into survival mode i believe you have to start a new character you have to choose it and go into survival mode if i get any of this wrong please write in let me know um and in survival mode it is harder to survive one because other people can just snipe you in the back of the head and then you die two your requirements for uh your basic needs are more extreme uh, I'm guessing you get hungry and, and thirstier faster. I'm, I'm still waiting some, for some more details about that stuff. But the big question is, before we even get the chance to jump into this, which should be pretty soon, one, what are your thoughts? What do you guys think? Is this something you would like to try out? Um, and two, are if you do try it out, are you actually going to play it? Are you? Is this going to become a main mode of play for you? Are you actually into this? Now, digital communities have this tendency for the naysayers, the negativity tends to creep to the top or is the first reaction that you see usually among the community. And I've seen a lot of uh, pushback against this because people have said things like, well, Bethesda, we're asking for all these other things. Who's even asking for this mode? Why are you even spending your time working on this? And I think the answer to that is actually people were. Uh, asking for this. This was something that was brought up very early on when people were skeptical about the current PVP environment of the game. And so this was probably something and just understanding the way these things get planned out and how long it takes for things to get implemented. 
this is probably something they were working on implementing right before or right at launch based on very early feedback from people saying that they wanted a different way to play the game. And since then, I think the community has generally been very favorable about the way that the PVP stuff works, as long as people aren't hacking. And they think that that's that's pretty good. And nobody's really searching for, for anything more than that. Or let me, let me be clear, not nobody. Most of us aren't searching for more than that. Um, now this is too fast. This is too faceted. There's the PVP side with instant combat, and then there's the survival side. And I think the survival side is addressing a secondary issue of people feeling like the game is too easy. And that's, most for most cases it probably is one it's not too hard to come across enemies that are within the right you know level limit of where you are with your quests and to just kind of fight through them and do what you need to do two if you're grouping up with other people that makes that a lot easier because now you've got double or triple the amount of firepower on a bunch of enemies that aren't that difficult to begin with unless you're just way over your head um, three, the end game contents for some of like the crazy high level enemies is interesting and fun. But again, you're grouping up with a bunch of other people, usually in like a, a nuked zone where there's a bunch of other people running around shooting at those enemies too. So I can see how that would give the developers a feeling like people are looking for something else, something a little bit more hardcore. And so that makes sense. So they're working towards that. Um, the other thing that we need to take into consideration here is just because a development team is working in one area on a game doesn't mean that they don't have other individuals in that team working towards other things as well. Just because they're putting this out soon doesn't mean that they haven't heard the other feedback about other areas in the game that we want changes or that we would like more stuff. Chances are they're working on both at the same time. This is just the one that happens to be ready to roll out in the next week or two. So that's my thoughts on it. What are your thoughts? Is this something you're going to try? Is it something that maybe you're actually really looking forward to? Um, my other thought on this is that this mode might be actually more interesting to stream uh, live because there's more chance for randomness to occur and there's more chance for you to not survive, to <laughs> run out of food or not take good care of yourself or run into a wall and have to figure out how to make it around that wall. That seems more interesting uh, from a uh, perspective of somebody watching the stream and seeing somebody really struggle with getting through something, almost like a Dark Souls type streamer who would, you know, hit their head up against a wall until they're able to to make it through. I'm not sure though. We'll have to try it out. I guess we'll just have to see what they release and how it goes. But let me know what you think. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. Let's get the other bit of politeness taken care of, shall we? What the bloody, bloody, bloody hell are you doing here? You people are crazy. As usual, you guys are freaking amazing. So last week, I got to read eight different reviews on iTunes. And I think maybe <laughs> maybe me reading eight different reviews on iTunes made some of you guys not want to review stuff. I'm not sure. I don't know how that works. They're like, oh, you got lots of attention. Meh. Who needs to review stuff? Well, we did get one more review in um, and four more five-star ratings. And I cannot thank you guys enough. This is 
such a big deal. Um, we're actually, if you search Fallout in the iTunes client, we show up somewhere in the uh, third or fourth uh, row of Fallout things. Other things show up too, and I think it's because the word Fallout gets used a lot in kind of general video game podcasts, but also because of the Mission Impossible movie and some other things. So I, I think it's it actually convolutes the search a little bit. But what that says to me is that uh, we're moving up the ranks. And I really appreciate you guys helping with that because this is not something I can do on my own. There's nothing I, I mean, I'm not going to make a bunch of fake accounts and, and rate my own podcast. That would be super lame and it's not going to help anybody. Um, hearing back from you guys that you like the show and then you putting a review and a rating on iTunes is just the biggest compliment you can give me. And it also gets this in front of a bigger audience. So I can't thank you enough. Um, so I'm going to call out the new review on iTunes. This is from Kreeth or Macaroni, Macar underscore Oni. Uh, he says, you can really tell he researches what he's talking about and has a passion for it. As a new Fallout fan, I, it got me even more hooked on the series. I can't wait for the new episodes every single time. Highly recommend it if you like Fallout or lore or both. Hey, wonderful. Fallout or lore or both. Great. <laughs> thank you, Creeth uh, slash Macaroni for that. And thank you to everyone else who has reviewed or rated um, the four new five-star reviews help so much. And I really appreciate everything you guys are doing to help push this out to other uh, friends of yours to retweet things on Twitter. Um, if you aren't following on Twitter, at least once a day, I have a post with some facts about the game. Uh, about the the lore, about some of the stuff I've been researching before the episode comes out. Um, and it's just the best place to be interacting with you guys on a regular basis. I check it all the time. And if you ever want to get my attention, that's probably a really good way to do it. Um, also, there's a Discord channel, and you'll see that in the show notes. There's links to that. There are people discussing things on there. In fact, sometimes lore questions come up and sometimes people just have questions about the games and other people are able to chime in relatively quickly and get you some answers on some stuff that you're maybe working through in the games. Um, so I think that's super cool too. One other thing I want to mention before I go is that this community is super awesome uh, on Twitter and then also on Twitch. And the proof of this is in some of the streams that I've been watching recently. And I stream a little bit, but I do spend most of my time, especially while I'm at work or whatever, with a stream up in the background, kind of jumping into chat with some of you guys in, in the chats on, on Twitch streams. And I thought I would just highlight one stream in particular this, this week. Um, there's so many of you guys who have wonderful streams. So th this is by no means, I hope, making anyone feel left out. But uh, one streamer in particular, uh, Quantum Pixie, I think is super fun. Uh, she's super relatable. She streams during the daytime while I'm at work. And a number of other streamers and content creators and Fallout fans and podcasts and people hang out in her stream throughout the day. And it's always a good time to just jump in there and chat and see how things are going. She and her husband both stream. He's the backlogger. He streams in the evenings and he's been playing through old games that uh, are in his backlog. Uh, super fun to hang out in there too. But just in general, a very positive community. A lot of the same people hang out in other people's streams as well. I might call out some of those people on future episodes. Um, but highly recommend jump in Quantum Pixie's 
Twitch stream. Uh, you'll see, I've mentioned her in some of my tweets recently. Um, I believe it's all one word, quantum pixie, twitch.tv slash quantum pixie. Um, also, uh, just actually yesterday, a bunch of us were hanging out. This was like a Sunday and, um, a bunch of people popped in the stream and then a bunch of people were playing together and it, it was basically a, a pixie party, uh, with a bunch of people taking pictures and running around in fallout together. It was super fun. This is what these games are about. This is the community getting together and having a great time and finding ways to relate to each other. And I, I can't recommend it enough. If you're looking for a community to plug into, get involved on Twitch, get involved in Twitter, uh, get involved on our discord, just plug in because the people are there. There are, and this, this is one of those things that warms my heart. There are people in this world, even though if we're hundreds of miles, thousands of miles away who are, relating to the same enjoyment of the same content. And it helps us relate to other real world things too. real conversations come up about mental disease and the things that we're going through in our lives and all sorts of interesting things that every one of us deals with. And to see other people who have the same interests, who have very similar lives talking about the same kinds of things is, is heartwarming. It really, you know, I really hope that this continues to grow and that more and more people find a place to be with people who are similar to them. And that was probably way too long to explain something fairly simple, but I think it's important. So, um, yeah, my recommendation is, is jump in there and, uh, join, join the crowd. Otherwise I will see you guys again soon. I should have another mini sode out in a few days. I hope you guys are enjoying those. And as usual, I will have another major episode up next week. Thanks for dropping in and I will see you vault dwellers later. Thanks for listening to the fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda softworks and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.